Let me welcome you to week four of our series, You Asked For It. And before I go any further, I want to welcome all of our online and TV viewing family. Come on, church family. Let them know how much you love them. We're glad that you're tuning in today. And there's Britt right there. You're behind the camera. You were hiding on me, Britt. That's his, his, his birthday today as well. What we did at Easter, when we had all of you here on the same day, we, asked, we did a survey and we said, what do you want to hear sermons about? Like, what do you want me to hear me talk about? Uh, you say, wasn't well, that your job, Pastor Reed? Don't you determine the sermons? Well, not always. Jesus did the same thing. A lot of times the, the crowd would pose questions, and some of his greatest sermons came from questions the crowd posed because he wanted to be relevant. So do I. So I wanted to find out what you were interested in. We had 625 people here on Easter, and the number three response on that survey was, how do I hear God's voice? How do I hear God's voice? And I love that question because it's making the assumption right on the front end that God is speaking. And there are some Christian persuasions that believe that God doesn't speak anymore. That when the last disciple died, that so did God speaking. But I believe God still speaks. We believe God still speaks here. And uh, I want to know how that happens. In fact, Jesus uh, said he would send his Holy Spirit and we would hear his voice. I love this quote from Dallas Willard. Dallas wrote a book called Hearing God, and he said, if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is to tell them that they could have a personal relationship with God. That's so true. God wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with everybody in the room, and the Bible actually says all throughout the Bible, let him, uh, excuse me, keep in step with what the Spirit is saying. In Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, one of the last things the Bible says is let him who has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit of God is saying. The third verse of the Bible in Genesis is, and God said. So cover to cover is God communicating that he is still communicating. Jesus used this beautiful metaphor for our relationship with God, comparing it to a relationship with a sheep and a shepherd. John 10, listen to this. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And I'd love for you to have that kind of relationship where God could call you and you would just follow his lead. That's what I want you to have. When he has brought, all out, uh, brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And that's a pretty cool thought too, by the way, that God is in front of us saying, it's this way. In fact, in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah says, there'll be a voice saying, here's the way, walk in it. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And that's honestly what I want to help you do today. I want you to hear his voice and know his voice. Some of you could call me today from an unknown number, an unlisted number. It doesn't show up on my caller ID, and I would immediately know who you are because I recognize your voice. We have that close of a relationship. Some of you would call me and I'd have to say, I'm sorry, who's this? Because I don't recognize your voice. I want you to get so familiar with God, and that's part of what we're talking about today. You get so familiar with God that you know it's him speaking to you. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So we've got to learn to tune out the wrong voices as well. That's just as important. I believe with all my heart that God speaks, and I like to think that I'm hearing God, that I'm following his lead and his spirit, uh, just like you. I've had a few occasions in my life where it was so loud it almost seemed audible, one of which was when I was called from Snyder to go to Austin. Another was coming from Austin back to Snyder. It's not always with moves 
he called me to start Red Letter Rock Fest. And just as clear as I'm talking to you today, I was driving out by Southern Electric one day and I wasn't even thinking about the festival and God said, this is it, this is the last year. Okay, I just, just as clear as that. Uh, so God does speak to us and I know, I know you believe he speaks, but the reason you asked for it is you wanna hear him more and you wanna hear him more clearly. So that's what I wanna help you do today. I wanna tell you why you don't hear him clearly and then I'm gonna show you how you can, all right? So if you have your notes, uh, maybe jot this down on some paper. If you grab it a worship guide, you can jot this on the back. I wanna title this first section, Weapons of Mass Distraction. Because uh, there's a lot of distraction that are keeping us from hearing what God wants to say. The truth is God is speaking, but we have so many other voices that are making it difficult to decipher his will. Write this down. The first one is busyness. Busyness. And we talked about this ad nauseum last week. We talked about that, that we all get busy, that time is a massive problem for most of us. Um, it's difficult for ha to have a relationship with anybody, to hear from anybody if you're busy. I can't even have a really good earthly relationship if I'm too busy for that relationship. So if you didn't listen to last week's message or maybe you weren't here, I encourage you to jump on to colonialhill.org, uh, iTunes, Google Play, and listen to that message talking about stress. Listen to this out of Luke 10. This is from the Amplified Version of the Bible. Martha had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. And I think that's a lot of us, myself included. We, we wanna hear from God, but we just get so busy in our lives that we get distracted. The truth is you're never gonna hear God clearly until you slow down. Truth be known, you've gotta make time for God. You, you've gotta put God on your calendar. And that may seem silly, but like I put God on my physical calendar. It's hard for you to get an appointment with me early in the morning because if I don't make time for God, I won't make time for God. So I've gotta make that in my, in fact, Psalm 4610 sums it up well, be still and know, as if to say you're never gonna know God until you're still long enough to know that he is God. You just gotta be still. If you like extra little phrases, here's how I would say it. The quieter you become, the more you can hear. And I promise if you'll make time for God, he will quiet your soul. He will. And you'll hear him clearly. There's a second weapon of mass distraction. That is competing voices. Competing voices. In other words, God could be yelling at you. But if there are 100,000 other people yelling at you too, it's going to be impossible to hear him. Right? You ever been to a football stadium with like 100,000 people like Jerry Jones World up in Dallas and, and you've got like screaming people and I can't hear somebody two people away from me because everybody is screaming all of these competing voices. But if you empty out that stadium, that bold stadium, I can hear somebody on the other side of the stadium with just a normal speaking voice. Why? Because of the echo and the shape of the bowl. I can hear them because all the other voices have been eliminated. In the same way, we have so many competing voices that it's sometimes difficult to hear God because there's everybody else trying to tell you God's will. And you're like, well, God, what is that will? Jesus often tried to reach out to people and they would give him excuses like, well, I'd love to, but I got this and, and this and I got this going on. Maybe that's the problem. Look at Luke 14. Says, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. 
Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The point is, there's always a reason why, because there's just so much going on in our lives. So here's the challenge I'd love to give you today, is what would it be like if you could take some of that competition for God, some of those voices in your life, and if you can't eliminate it, and some of that ought to be eliminated, at least restrict it. Right? I think I know, you know what I'm talking about. It's these little things right here. <laughs> iPhones, iPads, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, those kinds of things. We're spending way too much time on Facebook and not enough time seeking his face. We've got to get in here, right? First thing we do when we wake up, right? Oh, oh, what, what happened last night? What happened? All right, let's see what happened. All right. Oh, did you see what happened? You know, look at this video. We, we just get so enamored with our phones. And I'm worried about our relationships with our phones. And, and I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to give you, put you on a guilt trip. I'm not. Uh, if you get in the car with your spouse today and they get on their phones, don't look at them and go, center, don't do that, okay? I'm not trying to, that's not my goal. I just think our phones can be problematic. In 2004, which wasn't that long ago, less than half of teenagers had cell phones. And today you feel naked if you don't have it. Where's my cell phone? I don't have my cell phone, right? I mean, it, it's, it's become a massive problem. And here's the real reason why I'm concerned and why I bring it up. Because endless streams of information can be tapped into at any moment, it has invaded every moment. And because the internet can be accessed anywhere, it has invaded our lives everywhere. 68% of teenagers do not go more than one hour without checking their phones. 75% of teenagers check their phones while in bed. That means the last thing you do before you go to sleep and the first thing you do when you get up, watch out, watch out, look at that, look at you see that. The average American spends seven and a half hours in front of a screen every single day. That's 53 hours a week. 53 of 168 hours. No wonder God has a problem getting into your world. He goes, I, don't, I, I can't find a time to get in. He, has, he barely has a chance. The average gamer in America, you want to know how old the average gamer in America is? 31. Because the gaming community puts everybody that has games on their phone into that pool, and so it actually raises the age of the average gamer. I have personally witnessed grandmothers completely ignore grandchildren because they're playing Candy Crush. I've seen it happen. And it's a problem. Listen, I'm not against you having access to the World Wide Web, but I am against it always having access to you. And you just got to just restrict this some. My, my, my biggest concern is not the decreased social skill we're seeing in young people, which is absolutely true. It's not even the increase in flakiness or insensitivity that we see online also true. My biggest concern for us is the decrease in reflection that has happened in our culture. And here's what I mean by that. Adults, help me out. Okay, I'm not, don't leave me hanging. In the 90s, before we had these bad boys, you would get to a traffic light or you would lay in bed. And what did you do with yourself? Ponder, reflect, that's all you had. It was just you and God. And I wonder how many millions and billions of prayers have been lost in those last moments before we go to bed, not because we don't love God, but because we found something more interesting to do in that moment. So just watch this, all right? Restrict this a little bit. God's saying, I wanna speak to you. I've got some things to say to you, but you gotta get off your phone we got to get it. Maybe before you open your email, you open his word. 
Maybe you just make that a habit. Before I say good morning, America, I say, good morning, God. Anybody hearing me? Y'all with me? Okay, so just think about it. Okay, maybe I should just put some restrictions on this. I'm not against the phone, okay, but just saying before I open it up, maybe I should open up God's word. Write this down. To hear God's voice, you have to turn down the world's volume. If you're going to hear his voice, you have to turn down the world's volume. Figure that out for yourself. Here's where I'm going to turn down the world's volume. Just make a list. This, I'm going to make some commitments or make some restrictions on some of these things. Here's the last one. I'm just talking about weapons of mass distraction that keep us from God. And that's an unprepared heart. And Jesus often talked about the fact that, hey, I'm speaking a whole lot more than you think I am. It's just not landed because you haven't prepared yourself. And this is an important concept because, listen to me, this is on you. Like, this is a role that you actively play in preparing your heart. That's one of the thoughts I have for myself. Even as I come to church on Sunday, I say, God, I want to receive something from you. I don't want to just give something today. I want to receive something today. Maybe you just say a prayer on your way to church. Spend five to ten minutes just alone with God before you get to church. Now, if you grew up in church, you probably know the parable of the sower and the seed. Jesus said, I'm just throwing the seed out there and it's hitting rocky ground. Look at Matthew 13, verse 19. This is from the message. It says, when anyone hears news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface. So he's saying, I could take some seed and I could throw it on this stage here and come back 10 years from now and nothing would have grown because the environment is not right for growth. But if I take that same seed and I put it in some fertile soil, I could come back tomorrow and see something had happened with those seeds. And so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of the person's heart. In other words, it's easier for the devil to pluck things away if your heart's not ready. So we have a role to play in preparing our hearts. Listen to this. God comes to a prepared environment. So God is showing up. God is speaking to you, I promise you. And it will seem like he's speaking so much louder if you've created the right environment for him to speak. 2 Corinthians 7.1, this is also from the message. I just love the way it's written. Let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts, both within, that's my heart, and without, that's your television, Netflix, Facebook, things like that. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. I want to illustrate it this way for you, all right? Everybody stand up, just real quick, stand up. Everybody stand up, come on. All right. So I've cued my guys in the sound, sound booth. I want them to, they're going to play a sound in just a moment. Okay, and if you hear the sound, if you hear the sound when they play it, I want you to sit down. And if you don't hear it, I want you to remain standing. Now don't cheat. <laughs> if you see somebody sitting down, I'm going to sit down. Right? Don't act like you have better hearing than you do, all right? So uh, guys, go ahead and play the sound. If you hear it, sit down. Doesn't that freak you out a little bit? <laughs> so, isn't that crazy? So wait, hang on, hang on. I didn't secretly, by the way, go to a bunch of people and say, hey, sit down when I tell you to. I didn't do that, all right? They just heard 15 kilohertz, and the reason why you didn't hear it is because you're old. <laughs> all right, you may be seated. You may be seated. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church? Don't you feel loved today and encouraged? <laughs> Read what happened. Isn't that cool? So 
That frequency, listen to me, that frequency, every one of you at some point in your life could hear that. But somewhere along the way, the older you get, your ears get dull. Let me say it the spiritual way. The older you get and the more you experience life and the more you add to your life, the less you're able to hear. Now, the reason why young people can hear it is their bodies are still young. 15 kilohertz is a very high, uh, very uh, loud, piercing pitch. Uh, and it works well. It works so well. I read about a, a, a London shopping district. It, was, it had a lot of uh, high-end retail and, uh, you know, like just your high-end stores, and they were trying to attract a certain kind of clientele that were going to buy their things, but there were all these teenagers that were skateboarding out in front of this, and it was driving away the older customers. So they hired this Scottish security firm. Let me get the guy's name so you can look it up. I'm not making you can Google it. Uh, Howard Stapleton. Howard Stapleton led the security firm, and he came up with, I love this, he came up with the Mosquito Teen Repellent. <laughs> Again, Google it. I'm not making this up. And he put some speakers up and he started playing that pitch. And the older people couldn't hear it. So they're shopping away. And all the teenagers are like, I can't stand it. And they left. And it worked. It worked. What's funny is it actually backfired because a lot of those teenagers started using that, that, that high-pitched noise as their ringtone so that they could see when their phone's ringing in class, but the teacher would have no clue. Yeah. Don't write that down, teenagers. Don't write that. Like, that's good, Pastor Reed. I'm, I'm going to use that. What's interesting from a spiritual standpoint is this metaphor. The sound was there. It was there. But a bunch of us couldn't hear it. In the spiritual sense, it's because the older you get, there's more in your life. And we've learned to tune God out. Since that illustration shows how young people can hear it, let me show you a story in the Old Testament where a little boy could hear God's voice. But an older man who once could hear God's voice could no longer hear it. Many of you know this story. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under a mentor, another prophet named Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Now, the truth is God was probably still speaking. They just couldn't hear God anymore. They had stopped dreaming dreams and having visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. So Samuel's lying down in the house of God. He's got the lamp of God by him. He's got the ark of God. So we're going to come back to this in just a minute. Hang, Hang with me on that. Tuck that away for now. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't, I didn't call you. Go lie back down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And Eli said, my son, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel, the boy, did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So he was hearing God, but he didn't know what to do with it yet. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me? And Eli realized that the Lord was calling Samuel. And so Eli told Samuel, go lie down, and if he speaks, if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And if there's anything that you get from today's message, if there's one thing that I want you to take home with you, it's that seven-word prayer that I would love for you to pray. I pray it every single day. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then just be still. 
Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It'll change your prayer life. You start praying that prayer. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. That's God saying, I'm going to let everybody hear my voice. Now, there's three things in this text that help give us direction on how to create that environment where we might be able to hear God better or again for some of us. God is speaking and will speak, number one, as we read his word. He'll speak when you read his word. In other words, you have to get in this book to hear his voice. Remember, Samuel was lying by the lamp. What is the lamp? We sang it this morning. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, the Bible is not just there for historical record. The Bible is not there to just give you spiritual principles. This book illuminates. All right? I like to think about it like a 3D movie, like it jumps off the screen. It jumps off the pages when you're reading this. It's alive. How do you do that, Read Well, you read it. I'm not getting anything out of it. Keep reading it. I'm telling you, it is living. It is active, sharper than any double-edged sword. That's Hebrews 4.12. It's the very breath of God, that 2 Timothy 3. In fact, 1 Samuel 3, where we've been talking, uh, verse 21, a little bit later, verse 21 says, the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Samuel heard the Lord. He saw the Lord. Where did he see him? Right here. What would it look like for you to make a fresh commitment to God's word today? And I'm not even asking for, for, for a lot. It doesn't take a lot. If you just read one verse, you just say, I'm not going to go one more day without at least reading one verse, one chapter, one book, right? Read a proverb. There's 31 proverbs, whatever day it is. Today's the 29th, read the 29th proverb. Get you some sort of a plan. Go through the gospels. If you don't know where to start, I love the gospel of John. It's powerful, but just get in God's word. And I like to start my day off with it. It just seems to help my day. And I do it because of this verse in Psalm 119. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I put my hope in your word. I promise you this. If you get in God's word, you'll hear from God. I promise you. But get in his word. It will also happen as we, number two, cultivate his presence. Cultivate. And I realize that's a little churchy sounding, but Samuel was near the ark. How many of y'all have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark with Indiana Jones? All right, or a movie with the Ark of the Covenant, right, where you have this ark, and there were the Ten Commandments in this box, and you had these two angels, and they would hide their eyes, right, and they're pointing at each other, and that's called the mercy seat. In the Old Testament, the presence of God, the manifest physical presence of God hovered over that box. It was a fire at night. It was a cloud during the day, but you could see the presence of God hovering over that box. That's what that's talking about. Right? It's where God's presence dwells. Now, in the New Testament, the place where, write this down, write this word somewhere in your notes, the place where God's presence dwells is in worship. It's in worship. He just loves, loves, loves your worship. God's attracted to it, like a lot. Let me say it this way. If you're trying to find God, just worship, and he'll find you. In fact, 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says, the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro. They're searching throughout the earth. What's he looking for? Who showed up at church today? No. He's searching the earth to see whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's searching this church right now. Who's really here for me? All in for me. Who's here fully committed to me? 
He just wants you to worship. He gets really excited about people who worship. In fact, I did a whole series on worship in July. If you were on vacation, then I encourage you to jump on our website at colonialhill.org or jump on iTunes or Google Play and, and listen to the three messages called God's Love Language. It fired me up as I'm preaching that stuff. Uh, but it, yeah, that's what God wants. He desires your worship. Look at Genesis 3.8. This is the New King James Version. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So God was dealing with people. He's dealing with Adam and Eve. The sound of his voice while they were walking in the garden. You remember that hymn? We sang it at the, at the memorial service yesterday. I come to the garden alone. And the, and the dew still on the roses. And I love the chorus. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He wants you to just get alone with him. He'll talk to you you got to create those environments. But that's not what happened in Genesis 3, sadly. It's one of the most tragic verses in the Bible. The end of that verse, the next part of that verse, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. I'm just trying to encourage you, church. You asked for it. You want to hear God's voice? Read his word. Go into his garden. Just worship him. What do I say? Read whatever's on your heart. I'm mad at him. Tell him. I'm sad. He wants to know. Just whatever's on your heart, you just, you just let him know that. Walk with him. Talk with him. Adore him. Passionately worship him. Love him. Give him the most heartfelt attention that you have. Can you say amen to that? Amen. All right, here's the last one. God spoke because that little boy was in the temple, so God speaks as we get planted in the church. That's just true. And it doesn't have to be Colonial Hill. Let me tell you, there's about five churches in this community I would attend, okay? There's great churches. It doesn't have to be here. I just, I want you to get plugged in and not just every once in a while on a Sunday. I'm talking about getting plugged in and really planted. I want you to devote yourselves, right? There's lots of different things. Like when I say I want you to get plugged in, it's not just attending. I want you to come to next steps. Let's find out who we are, who you are, and how we can best advance God's kingdom together. If you put your faith in Jesus recently, let's get you baptized, right? Let's get you in a small group. Small groups just started a couple of weeks ago. It's not too late. I'd love to get you a part of one. I want to get you serving on a dream team. There's lots of different ways. I love to tell people, give God one year. It won't even take a full year, but give God one year and go all in, like really dive in, really give it everything that you've got. Right? If you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. In other words, you might not ever find him if you don't seek him with everything you've got. You really got to go all in for one year, test drive it for one year. I've never met anybody that went all in with God and said, okay, I'm going to go to the small group. I'm going to get plugged into a Sunday school class. I'm going to come to church every time I can, every time I'm in town, every time there's something, I'm going to be a plugged in and part of this thing. I've never met somebody that went all in and said, I'm all out after a year. I've never met that person. Because you'll be so enamored and you'll start hearing from God. You'll go, wow, this is the greatest experience ever in my whole life. I'll show it to you in scripture. Psalm 92, verse 11 says, my eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rat of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree that will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Let me tell you how, let me tell you where, planted 
in the house of the Lord. So Samuel was in the temple, right, by the ark with the lamp. And they will flourish in the courts of God. He heard from God because he was in the house of God. What are you saying, Pastor Reed? Well, if you plug in, God, you're going to hear from God in the next steps class. And he's going to say, this is what I created you to do. This is what I want you to do. You're going to hear from God in your small group. It may be a small group member who's gone through something that you're going through currently that just says, hey, let me just tell you what we did to get out of that mess. And you're going to go, wow, that just seemed like the voice of God speaking from them to me. You're going to get on the team and you're going to see somebody come to faith and say, I had a small part in that. I remember opening the door and greeting them with a smile. We all play this part. And all of a sudden, God is speaking to you in a way that you never dreamed. In fact, let me just say that almost every single time that God has spoken to me, not every time, but almost every single time where God spoke the loudest, it was in church. I got saved when I was in church. I got baptized when I was in church. I got discipled when I was in church. I got mentored when I was in church. I got called to ministry when I was in church. I got married right here on the stage at this church. When you get in church, God starts speaking to you. So what's the moral of the story, Pastor Reed? Well, maybe God is speaking. You just got to get yourself in the right environment. Friends, you can't find bananas growing in Alaska. Say amen to that. Amen. They're growing, in, they're growing in, in Jamaica. Write this down. Last little phrase. I'm going to pray for you. If you want to find the right fruit, you got to get yourself in the right environment. So I'm telling you, if you want to hear God, you've got to get in this book. If you want to hear God, you've got to get in this book. If you want to hear God, you've got to get in this book. If you want to hear God, you've got to get in the presence of God. And one of the best ways to get in his presence is just worship him. And if you want to hear God, you've got to get planted in the church. And you will hear him like you've never heard him before. Let me pray for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, I, just, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. Holy Spirit, speak to us right now, and I pray, God, that you would touch people's lives. We've had competition to your voice, and show us when we're too busy. Show us the way, God, so we can slow down and make more time for you. Show us how to prepare our hearts by reading your word and worshiping you in the garden, planning ourselves in a life-giving local church. Speak to us, Lord. And right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I tell you what, the greatest birthday present I could ever receive is what's fixing to happen. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to see you trust God today and say, I need to give my life to you. I've given my life to everything else, and I have 100,000 other voices yelling at me, and I'm never really sold out to the one voice who called out my existence, who created me, who has determined every day. They're all written in his book before one day came to be. In fact, he knew this day you'd be in this church and you'd make the commitment you're about to make. So here's what I love to do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. I just need to know who I'm praying for. So if that's you, say, Reed, I need you to include me in that prayer. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I will celebrate with you in a big way. We won't make you come down to the front. We won't make you do a dance. Nobody will know except me, you, and Jesus, okay? But I'd love to know who I'm praying for. So if you do me a favor, and at this moment, just slip up your hands. Again, nobody's looking around. If that's you, slip up your hand. All right, awesome. 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 I see your hands. I love it. 
All right, let's pray together. If you raise your hand, just say something like, Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. And I thank you that you died for my sins. You paid the price that was meant for me. Come into my life. Be the Lord of it. Lead me. You're in the driver's seat now. I give my life fully to you because you gave your life fully for me. And I thank you for forgiveness. And now, God, I pray that you'd speak to me and continue to point me in the direction you want me to go. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. I know we do it every week, but it's a celebratory time. Can we just give a big round of applause for all of those who put their faith in Jesus? Come on. I love it. I love it.